Hello, I'm Eddie French, and you might recognise me from such icy news noises as... <coughs> Daddy! And who could forget... <coughs> well, the good news is, is that I now have my own podcast. It's called Pick Scraped, and it is a fortnightly sketch show uh, made entirely by me. So if that sounds like the sort of thing you'd like, go to wherever you get your podcasts and listen to it. Thank you. Pick Scraped. You're listening to IC News, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. President Biden says the era of American wars to remake countries in its own image is over, as it kills ten members of one Afghan family, including several children, in a drone strike. Hate to break it to you, Joe, but regularly seeing schoolchildren blown to pieces by high-caliber ammunition is still pretty much America's own image. The independent inquiry into child sexual abuse finds that there are shocking failings and blatant hypocrisy in the way major UK religious groups handle abuse allegations. And in other news, the Pope does nothing while bears touch kids in the woods. Former cricketer Ian Botham is appointed as Britain's trade envoy to Australia. As a result, his nickname will be officially lengthened to Beefy That Undercuts British Farmers Botham. Geronimo the alpaca is destroyed by Defra, and you won't believe what happens next. Oh, oops, sorry, I've accidentally read that in the style of a clickbait article. Ahem. Geronimo the alpaca is destroyed by Defra, and it's all tremendously sad for everybody involved. The government plans to allow shops to once again sell in Great British pounds and ounces, as part of its post-Brexit changes to EU laws. For millennials and Zoomers that have never used imperial measurements, Brexit makes the transition nice and easy, because non-existent produce on empty shelves also weighs nothing in metric. Andrew Neil leaves GB News, claiming that his political views made him a minority of one in the boardroom. And if there's one thing GB News isn't a fan of, it's minorities with political views. Elton John delays his upcoming tour dates to 2023, after suffering an awkward fall at home. Apparently it was hours before an emergency crew was dispatched to assist him, as he kept telling the 999 operator that he was still standing. And finally, OnlyFans performs a U-turn on its decision to ban adult content on its platform, after a backlash that saw content creators seeing their own asses for once. The Chain It's not just Fleetwood Mac, we all heard it. We were all promised Brexit would never break the chain. And here we are, a 100,000 HGV drivers short, and with supermarkets warning that Britain could be facing shortages at Christmas. It's about now that they typically start stockpiling their festive wares. But Britain's roads are currently so deprived of lorries that if something doesn't change, we may all be looking forward to a meagre Christmas at the Cratchits. Pass me another slice of festive microwave lasagna, love. It tastes like sovereignty. Now, if you're of the leave persuasion, I can hear you shouting in my head already. And look, I admit, you have a point. Britain's driver shortage isn't exclusively a consequence of Brexit. The industry's ability to recruit new drivers has also been impacted by the pandemic. With training and licence renewals suspended under restrictions and less new blood than usual coming into the trade as a result. 
We've also been hemorrhaging drivers for some time now, many of whom have been objecting to poor pay and working conditions for years. But we are still missing tens of thousands of European drivers, many of whom have no desire to sit in a lorry park in Kent for days on end dealing with the new burdensome admin of Brexit. And that is very much a direct consequence of our choice to leave. So no, Brexit is not the sole cause of this crisis, but it's certainly a key contributor. So how about you put the keyboard down, toddle down the stairs, go into the cupboard under the sink and pop out your JML blue step. That's it, Barry Brexiter. Fold it out, pop it upright on the kitchen floor. There, now you should just have enough clearance to get the fuck over yourself and finally start owning some of this completely fucking unnecessary mess. Make no mistake, a mess is what this is, and it's one that's been compounded by a government who have failed to plan for any of it. In perhaps one of the most tone-deaf responses they've issued yet, the Home Office this week said this in reply to businesses airing their mounted concerns. The British people repeatedly voted to end free movement and take back control of our immigration system, and employers should invest in our domestic workforce instead of relying on labour from abroad. (sighs) Now... There are many obvious holes in that fucking colander of a statement, not least of which is the simple fact that the government's own COVID restrictions have actively prevented employers investing in our domestic workforce. We only came out of lockdown a month or so ago, and training 100,000 lorry drivers in that time is, to offer the biggest understatement of the century, a big ask. But the most galling hole of all is the old shtick about us repeatedly voting to end free movement. We voted leave or remain. That was literally it. Regardless of which one of those options you went for, it's not unreasonable to suggest that the logical assumption was that the people in charge would at least have enough competency to hammer out the details. And that they'd be able to do it without costing us the tens of thousands of European HGV drivers we rely on and causing serious disruption to our national supply chain as a result. In fact, we didn't even have to assume it. We were told over and over that the deal was oven ready and the transition would be smooth and simple. Lots of us didn't believe that, of course, but as much as I'd love to jump on that fourth plinth in Trafalgar Square and scream, we fucking well told you so, through a megaphone, it wouldn't actually achieve much in fixing this clusterfuck. So what can be done? Well, the obvious and simplest solution, although it wouldn't be enough to plug the whole gap in the workforce is to relax the visa rules for HGV drivers. It wouldn't fix all the customs issues at the border, but it would potentially entice enough European drivers back to ease some of the strain. In pursuit of convincing us all that Brexit was a price worth paying, however, the government seemed pretty reluctant to do this, which is understandable. Admitting that the same cheap foreign labour you always claimed was undercutting your British workers is, in fact, actually an essential part of your entire system, would be pretty embarrassing for any Brexit-supporting politician. So the government are instead looking elsewhere to plug the gaps in our labour market, and the first place the Home Office has suggested is our prisons. 
Pilot schemes have been announced to train newly released prisoners as HGV drivers, and plans are in motion to expand the role of prison labour in our meat processing industries. That's another sector who have been hit hard by labour shortages. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not against the idea of ex-prisoners being offered meaningful routes back into work at all. Any scheme that helps serving inmates get qualifications that allow them to lead reformed lives out of the system gets a thumbs up from me. But it's not yet clear just how these schemes will genuinely benefit anyone, other than a private sector profiteering from yet another source of cheap labour. There is a world of difference between prisoners doing community work that gives back to the society they've harmed and exploitation of them that only benefits private companies. Private companies that could instead be attracting new workers with, ooh, I don't know, better pay and conditions. Which one of the two options we're going to get remains to be seen, which is why I've come here to Earth Alpha Echo Indentured Servitude 11. Here, Preeti Patel has been given full autonomy to manage our prison workforce exactly as she sees fit, and she's handled the tricky ethical dilemma with her typical level of empathy. The prison population has been fully utilised to really reap the tangible benefits of Brexit. In our cities, convicts work in chain gangs to maintain salt farms harvesting the tears of liberal metropolitan elites and in sovereignty mines all over the country, like this one here in the Pennines, prisoners work 20-hour shifts, digging the meaningless hole ever deeper in search of something utterly intangible and ultimately worthless. Keep at it, you scum! We're not paying you to... Well, we're not paying you at all, but the British people appeared and voted to end free movement, so this is what you fucking get! <sighs> inspiring, isn't it? And there's no chance of Christmas getting cancelled in a place like this. I can practically taste the goodwill to all men in the air. I'm Tom King, reporting for IC News. Thanks, Sam. Oh my God, I can't believe this is actually happening, but it is, and it's me, and I'm doing it, and I... Oh, gosh, I can't breathe! Collect yourself, Gordon, I... Uh... <sighs> Calm seas, beige paint, skimmed milk. Calm seas, beige paint, skimmed milk. Okay. Okay, I think I've got it. Sorry, everyone. It's just, well, as you all know, I'm a passionate centrist and... gentleman here today to talk to little old me and share his views about the crisis in Afghanistan. It's Tony fucking Blair! Yes, hello. Thank you for having me, Joanne. Oh, he said my name! He said my name! He said my fucking name! Yes, quite. It's always nice to meet a fan. Reminds me of 1997. Oh, and I am a fan. I really am. I love everything about you, from education, 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 to the Shore Start Centres, to peace in Northern Ireland. Yes, yes, to actually winning elections. Although, I don't like to mention it. Yes, of course, but also the National Minimum Wage, the Civil Partnership Act, and, uh, and... Uh, it's all right. You can say it. This is a safe space. To, um... Uh... The war in Iraq. 
Um... Sorry, did you have a question? Oh, thank God I was holding my breath for so long that I thought I was going to pass out. <laughs> yes, yes, of course I do. Um, I suppose the big question everyone wants to know is what you think of all this. Well, thank you for asking, Joanne. And you're right, of course. Everyone does want to know what Tony Blair thinks, and at all times. I wake up every morning and I think, who wants to hear from me today? And the answer is, of course, always everyone. And so I talk to anyone who will listen, because then I can't hear, well, you know, them. Them? Sorry, Mr Blair, I'm not quite sure what you're saying. Well, I mean the moaning corpses stood behind you, of course. Oh, there's no one stood behind me, Mr Blair. Of course there is. They're always there. The man with the burned face, staring at me. The mother, cradling the broken body of a child. The teenage boy, balancing on his hands. His lower body a bloody ruin. Blown away by an artillery strike. They're always there. They follow me everywhere, moaning about WMDs. A million dead faces, always watching, judging, crying out in pain. They're in the bathroom mirror when I brush my teeth. For years now, they've watched, waited, calling me to them. What is happening? Did I mention I won three elections? Um, if we could get back to Afghanistan, Mr Blair. You've been quite vocal about the way in which President Biden has managed this withdrawal. You said it was in pursuit of an imbecilic slogan. Yes, of course. And I stand by that. Ending a forever war. It's a meaningless objective. The West needs to have the courage to stand behind its principles. Liberty, democracy, and engineering a case for an imperialistic war that claims a million lives on the back of false and manufactured evidence are all noble aims, and we shouldn't shy away from having the courage to pursue them. Sorry, what was the last one? And the West, of course, should stand up against the spread of radical Islam, unless that radical Islam is funded and supported by Saudi Arabia. My institute can tell you all about it, provided you pay me several hundred thousand pounds to speak for them. I won three elections, don't you know? No, Amit, stop it. I'm not coming with you. I'm not walking into the fire. There's definitely no one there. <laughs> you really think so? How peculiar. Maybe it's like my hands. I'm always convinced they're soaking wet, red with blood, and no matter how hard I scrub, I can never get them clean. But Cherry says they're fine. I suppose it's all a matter of perspective. Oh, look at that. The mother and child are on fire again, reaching for me with their burning hands. It's all right. I can keep talking. The pauses, you see. I pause like this. Keep my voice going. Just to quieten the screams. We're nearly out of time, Mr Blair, but I suspect there's one question I have to ask you. Clearly, you believe we should have committed more long-term to the West's strategic aims in Afghanistan. In that regard, I suppose the only thing to ask you is how you ever saw this conflict coming to an end. End? Nothing ends, child. They're just fire and blood and the gnashing of teeth and the clawing of desperate, grave-soiled hands. And beneath you, as time ticks away and your body withers, there's only the abyss widening a little every day with the terrible laughter from the depths of the pit rising even louder. It knows your days are numbered and one day it will claim you. It laughs because it knows. It knows your bed of mammon will ultimately provide you with nothing but kindling for the fires of eternal damnation. Right. Can I ask, 
How much am I getting paid for this, by the way? And can I have it in cash so I can wad it up and press it against my ears to muffle the screams? I'll um, have to check with my producer on that one. That's all we have time for. Mr Blair, thank you very much. I'm Joanne Gordon and never meet your heroes, everyone. Reporting for IC News. Amid, did you know I won three elections? Oh, great. Now he's on fire, too. Who wants to hear from me next, then? You? Are you going to listen? It doesn't matter. I'm going to talk anyway. But you'll pay me, right? Of course you will. While the president repeatedly insists that nothing more could have been done in Afghanistan, his critics at home have been vocal about what they see as his failure to properly manage the withdrawal. None of those critics have been more vocal than the supporters of former President Donald Trump. Today, we are once again joined by telephone by John McDonald's, a blue-collar, everyday American who it's fair to say is not a fan of President Biden. John, it's been a while since we've had you on. Welcome back. Hello, Sam. As a regular, everyday, normal American, thanks for having me. It's tremendous of you, really tremendous, talking to me even though I'm not even a former president. I'm just one of the people with his opinion, an opinion that millions of Americans hold, millions more than voted for Joe Biden in that sham election. John, I know it's your favourite topic, but we're really not here today to talk about the 2020 election. We're discussing Afghanistan and how Republican voters feel about this withdrawal. Well, of course you don't want to talk about it, Sam. You're the fake news media, so you're not interested in the truth. But you know what? That's fine. We got plenty of people telling the truth, from Sidney Powell to Marjorie Taylor Greene to that little Transformer Nazi boy in Congress whose name I forgot. Oh, and the crackhead who sells pillows. What a tremendous businessman he is. With a team like that, the truth will out. It's inevitable. Sorry, did you just say inevitable? It means the truth, Sam, because the first part is Latin for the, and bubble is where the truth lives. In a bubble, where everybody tells you what you want to hear. Like your hair looks good, or your daughter finds you sexually attractive, or you definitely won the 2020 election. That sort of truth. Okay, let's just stick to Afghanistan if we can. Now, you're a Republican voter. Let me just stop you there, Sam. I'm a Trump voter, okay? The greatest president the country has ever seen. I vote Republican, but only when they're Trump Republicans, okay? But the never Trumpers and the traitors to our country, they'll never get my vote. You know who I mean, Sam? The cowards who won't stand up for Trump and the election he rightfully won. Like Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan. And now Ron Johnson, when he thinks nobody is recording him. And don't even get me started on the weak, scumbag never-Trumpers on the January 6th committee. Actually, I'd really rather you didn't get started on them. Liz Cheney, I mean, come on, daughter of a radical left Antifa hippie like Dick Cheney. And Adam Kins, Adam Kinzeninger, Adam Kinzing. Okay, look. I'm not going to say his name, because it's hard to pronounce, and I don't want to say that other word that it sounds a bit like, because that's a word that has to stay on WhatsApp when you're talking to the Proud Boys. Look, I really feel like we've digressed here. Not that I've ever said anything like that on WhatsApp, Sam, or had any contact on January 6th with any of the protesters. I'm very innocent, the most innocent, which is why you can't have any of my phone records 
and we'll sue the phone companies if they try to give them up. Because that's just what innocent people do, Sam. People with nothing to hide always fight tooth and nail to hide everything. John, please, we need to talk about Afghanistan. Well, obviously, Sam, what's happened in Afghanistan is a disaster. The worst, most embarrassing disaster in America's history. What Joe Biden has done, it's disgusting. He's made America look weak, Sam. Weak. Well, I think this is where the Republican narrative gets confusing for an outside observer, John. Because what Biden has effectively done is simply follow the withdrawal plan and the terms of the Doha agreement with the Taliban that was negotiated by President Trump's administration. No, he hasn't, Sam. Not at all. That is fake news, and it's a lie. Donald Trump wanted to bring our troops home in May and win this war, which he could have done. The Taliban would have disappeared and Kabul would be full of Burger Kings and titty bars and casino right now. Peace in the Middle East was what Donald Trump was all about, which is why there's been so much of it in Palestine since he left office. But instead, instead we've got America running with its tail between its legs and the Taliban back in power. It's disgusting, the worst, and absolutely not at all the exact situation that we engineered on our way out of power. Sorry, John, but who's we exactly? Um, I mean the royal we, Sam, meaning not me because I'm just an American voter and not a vindictive child and ex-president who conspired to do everything he possibly could to sabotage his successor. Let's shift our focus for a second then and look at the evacuation effort itself. Now, there's been some speculation that the visa scheme for America's Afghan allies was deliberately stalled under the Trump administration. But Republicans now are criticising Biden's failures with regard to getting more Afghans out of the country. How do you justify that contradiction? Well, it's really very simple, Sam, which is why I'm not surprised that a low-intelligence, fake-news puppet like you wouldn't understand it. Donald Trump has always supported our allies in Afghanistan, the great people, Sam. Tremendous, brave people which is why we needed to keep them in Afghanistan when Trump was president, to fight for their country and to fight for ours by not annoying Trump voters by coming here. Right. And now Trump isn't president. We do want to bring them here, because it's much easier to pretend to have morals when you can tell the racists that the influx of refugees is all the Democrats' fault. It's really a win-win for everyone. Afghans get to come here to America, and Ron DeSantis gets more immigrants to blame for the COVID surge here in Florida. It's big thinking, Sam. The biggest. That's an extraordinary admission, John. You're basically admitting the complete hypocrisy of the Republican response to this crisis. I'm not admitting anything, Sam. And I don't even know what a crispy hippo is. The only thing I'm admitting to is being a stable genius. And it's a sort of stable genius that will win back the House and Senate next year and see Donald Trump re-elected as president. Yeah, I think that's probably somewhat dependent on the findings of the January 6th committee. Yeah, right, because there's so much accountability so far. Boo-hoo, Sam. I'm shaking in my little red hat. You mark my words. What's happened in Afghanistan, it's going to be the end of Joe Biden. The end. Americans won't stand for seeing a place fall to monsters like that. Monsters who would remove women's rights and enslave their bodies and take their right to choose away from them. You haven't been to Texas recently, have you, John? No, but I'll be back there soon. It's a great state, Sam, the greatest. And together, we're going to make it great again. John McDonald's, thanks for joining us. Trump 2022.
Stand back and stand by, America. Now delete the record of this conversation, Sam, or I swear to God, I'll sue you. Danny, you may have to forgive me, but when it comes to parental anxiety and the return to education, you're not exactly the first journalist on the team that springs to mind for me. That's completely fair enough, Sam. I can't fucking stand kids, and I'd rather take a golf club to the bollocks than ever father one. I'm not the paternal type. What I am, however, is a businessman, and the return to school is in many ways a golden opportunity. Whether it's pencils or blazers or padlocked underwear to keep the PE teachers off you, there's loads of cash to be made in September. And that's without the added pressure of a pandemic. We've all seen COVID cases rise in Scotland when their precious little darlings went back and lots of parents in England are now understandably worried about what might happen. I'm already regretting everything about this. As proud members of the podcasting community, it's our duty here at IC News to address those coronavirus concerns head on. Just like some of our contemporaries have been doing this week. Yeah, I can see where you're going with this a mile off, Danny, and we are absolutely not following Joe Rogan's example. Well, obviously, Sam, because he's actually got listeners. But public health should still be our number one priority. And if it just so happens that Sutcliffe Industries can turn a profit in the process, well, that's just a win-win for everyone, isn't it? Oh, yeah, sure. Apart from all the people poisoned with ivermectin because they've taken the medical advice of a guy who himself says he's not an authority on health. Well, you see now, that's where Rogan went wrong then, isn't it? He's undermined himself, whereas I absolutely am an authority on health because I've done my research. By which I mean I've watched several dozen Facebook videos when off me tits on DMT and now I can see right through Big Pharma and their lies. Oh, for fuck's sake. And also time. I'm pretty sure I can see through time. DMT's powerful stuff, Sam. It opens your mind so much that you really do become capable of believing anything. Which is why it's time to announce my latest bold new business ventures. Danny, don't you dare. Oh, relax, Sam. I'm not a fucking idiot. I wouldn't just push a whole raft of unethical and unapproved medical treatments on Earth Prime's children. That'd be monstrous and morally wrong. Good. I'm actually glad to hear that, Danny, because this constant tide of misinformation is getting ridiculous. The medical quackery is downright dangerous Which and... is why I've come here instead to Earth Delta Tango No Blame No Claim 72. Here, there's no such thing as a medical licence or a personal injury and malpractice lawyer. But there are roughly nine million school children, all of whom have deliciously anxious parents with a few spare quid kicking around. There's nobody better to take part in some practical market research. Danny, no, this is just straight up not okay. Oh, simmer down, you soft twat. No one's suing you. Parents, are you worried about little Sebastian's return to full-time education? Are the rising Covid numbers good? Oh, for fuck's sake, you've thrown me off me stride now, Sam. Cut the music. This is not appropriate. Oh, will you just stop, please? I don't come to your house and tell you how to fail to convert Facebook likes into Patreon subscriptions. Can you hear me, listeners? Yes, I've gone meta. Take the fucking in, please. Sam, this is my business and I'd thank you to keep your nose out of it. 
Maestro Plays. Parents, are you worried about little Sebastian's return to full-time education? Are the rising Covid numbers stressing out your poor little darlings? Was the whole point of sending kids to school to get them out of your hair? And are you fucking desperate to make sure the dreadful little cunts never have to self-isolate ever again? Well, have no fear, for Danny is here! With our patented Covid-preventative lifetime regimen, you'll never have to worry about coronavirus again. And all without worrying whether your child will be harmed by a potentially dangerous vaccination. We've teamed up with some of the world's finest veterinary scientists to produce a special tailored medical treatment from some of the best animal medicines around. How often do you see a cat on a ventilator, I hear you ask? Not very often, that's how. Because cat medicine is the best medicine. And for just £60 of treatment, now your kids can benefit from it too. Simply pin your kid down once a month and apply Danny's patented anti-Covid skin treatment to the back of their neck. It gets to work instantly, spreading across your child's fur as they groom themselves, killing off all the virus it comes into contact with. Just make sure your kids don't lick each other for a full day after you apply the treatment. If you do suspect that said licking may be a problem, for just £25 extra, we'll throw in a bonus cone to strap around your child's head. That way, not only will they be completely safe, but every other child in the playground will be able to see just how much you love and want to protect your kid. Don't delay, act today, or you're a shit parent who wants your child to suffer. Danny's patented anti-COVID skin treatment is in fact highly concentrated flea treatment in a robe on deodorant. Major skin irritation will occur and if the product is ingested, your child will almost certainly die. Suckleaf Industries accepts no responsibility for child mortality and invites you to join us in blaming your fundamental lack of decency and common sense on adverse vaccine reaction. No refunds! Oh, well done. I didn't think you could do it, but that was actually even more ridiculous than pushing ivermectin. It's a fair point, though, isn't it? You've got cats and they never get sick! I know, Danny. That's because they get booster vaccinations every year. Yeah, well, you can prove anything with facts, can't you? Hey, Look at that! The online orders are pouring in already. I'd better get packing shipments, mate. It's a piece of piss-making money out of podcasts, you know. I don't know why you fucking struggle with it so much. Yeah, I think we can probably stop going quite so meta, Danny. You've successfully laboured the point. Just trying to help you out, mate. One content creator to another. Do you want some DMT? No. Your loss. I'm Danny Sutcliffe, and the world is a beautiful, profitable kaleidoscope. Reporting for IC News. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. It's been a shocking two weeks for men all over the world. The upsetting events in Texas have left many of our cherished boys traumatized and upset and uncertain of their place in the natural order of society. What had previously felt like the careful and long-established balance of power between genders has been tipped. Up 
ending our unspoken social contract, leaving men feeling powerless and disrespected. You might think that this controversy and the riot of debate that it's provoked is about abortion. You're wrong. It's about men. And how, yet again, women are just straight up refusing to hear them out. It hurts their feelings, girls, and it has to stop. Feminism has done so much for all of us. It gave us the vote, better working rights, better division of domestic labor at home, and a conviction rate for sexual assault that sometimes heads towards a whole 1%. But we have to draw the line somewhere. Or where will it end? I'll tell you where. A world where women control men. Women who don't even understand the basic biology of how a man's precious, fragile little body works will suddenly be making laws that control and oppress them. I don't want to live in a world like that, which is why right now we need to empathize and listen to men. Without that dialogue, we will never understand why restricting abortion rights is so important to them. I mean, just imagine being a man right now, seeing how angry women are about these new laws in the States. All of that anger from so many potential cum dumpsters, just because you wanted to force them to carry a baby to term. Imagine being a man like Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas. Imagine being ridiculed by women everywhere just for holding a press conference defending your new law and accidentally revealing that you don't even understand how the time frames for pregnancy and the menstrual cycle even work. All of that anger and finger-pointing when you were just trying to help women and serve your God. Then imagine being told that God has no place in a woman's individual health care decisions. <laughs> even though you're a Christian and thought that meant that you have the right to force your religion on every woman in America. Imagine the discomfort of hearing women squawk at you, telling you that the country you serve was actually founded on the fundamental principle of the separation of church and state. It would be awful. Ladies, we have to stop insulting these poor men by suggesting that they don't have our best interest at heart. When men say life is sacred and legislate accordingly, we should give them the benefit of the doubt and assume they mean it. We shouldn't contradict them by pointing out that they built their entire political platforms around treating children from every conceivable minority with cruelty. We shouldn't flood their abortion whistleblower helpline with crank calls and fake cases. We should make use of it to help them demonstrate just how precious they believe Every pregnancy really is. That's why I've come here. This is Earth Foxtrot Lima Jr., 1994. And here, the new abortion laws in Texas are nowhere near as controversial among women. Here, medical science has advanced to the point that embryos can be implanted in any willing host and carried to term by anyone who considers all life to be sacred. Men like Todd here, a 63-year-old white dude who's reported his neighbor's teenage daughter to the abortion tip line. Whoa, my head. Where, where am I? Don't worry, Todd. You're in a state-of-the-art, properly funded Planned Parenthood, where every would-be parent gets treated with the compassion and care they deserve. 
You indicated that you wanted to save the life of an unborn child, despite that unborn child being none of your fucking business. And despite it being no more than a tiny cluster of cells, no bigger than a single grain of rice. What are you talking about? I mean, yeah, I'm I'm pro-life, but... (laughs) No, Todd. No, you're not. What you are is anti-choice. Which is why it's so noble of you to take responsibility for the pregnancy of that young girl that you don't know a damn thing about. The hell do you mean? I am paying for some whore of a single mother's brat? Oh, yes, you are, Todd. It's in the small print of the online form you submitted. But we're not just talking about the financial responsibility here, buddy. The embryo has been transplanted into your abdominal cavity meaning that in just nine months, you'll be passing a healthy baby boy or girl out of the hole in your penis. I can't tell you which one yet because it's six weeks. It literally isn't a fucking baby. What? No. This is inhumane. It's it's evil. It goes against everything I know about my own bodily autonomy, my fundamental right to make decisions about my own health care. That's what pro-life means, buddy. It's just such a miracle— I'll keep my fingers crossed for twins for you. But just to warn you, sometimes during the birth itself, that whole thing needs to be cut wide open, right up to your asshole. They'll have to stitch your dick back together and leave it looking like a child's shitty finger puppet. Why is this happening to me? Because this is what happens when absolute monsters make decisions for you, dumbass. I'm Allison June Smith, and fuck this Handmaid's Tale bullshit. Reporting for IC News. Here in the studio to discuss this story, and stepping somewhat out of his remit this week, it's our normally royal correspondent, Sebastian Forlock. Thank you for having me, Sam. May I just say, this expansion of my role is much appreciated. Nothing gives me greater pride than celebrating the influence abroad of our great empire. This new security pact is a bold and decisive move from a prime minister keen to defend human rights around the globe. Unless they happen to be arriving by dinghy, of course. Ugh, really? Is that going to be your tone here? This is one of the most significant international defence treaties of the last few decades, and you're choosing to come at it with that level of pettiness. For shame. But I'm not the only one who's got concerns about this pact, Sebastian. It's obviously angered China, but it's also infuriated a traditional Western ally in France. This new arrangement effectively nullifies a multi-billion dollar submarine deal they had with Australia, and France's foreign minister has called it a brutal, unilateral and unpredictable decision. In fact, he compared it to the sort of impulsive policy announcement the world had come to expect under President Trump. Well, that's a silly overreaction, isn't it? Thank goodness our foreign secretary isn't prone to such absurd flights of hyperbole. It's a disgrace. The French will be fine. They're just salty that their anti-Brexit posturing has cost them 11 wonderful Marks and Spencers franchises this week. Yeah, I'm somehow not sure that the land of Champagne and Camembert will be that bothered about losing Colin the Caterpillar. I imagine it's very much the billions the French now stand to lose that's aggravating them. From our perspective, the UK's involvement in that loss is unlikely to ease any of our own border tensions with France. Now, that's just politically short-sighted of you, Sam. I've never known a Frenchman to hold a grudge against the British, have you? Um, 
What you have to understand, dear boy, is that this move reflects our new global-facing Britain, a Britain that doesn't just cleave to its allies in Europe, but also faces outwards to the rest of the world. Uh, What, in a desperate attempt to appear geopolitically relevant despite having sabotaged its single greatest trading relationship, costing its own economy billions of pounds of growth as a direct result? Exactly! Well then, I guess my main concern, Sebastian, is that our involvement in this arrangement ties us directly into this emerging Cold War between the US and China. In the event of Chinese military aggression against Taiwan, what happens now? You heard Boris Johnson this week, Sam. The pact emphasises our commitment to the defence of democracy and the rule of law. That couldn't be clearer. International law, you mean? Precisely. OK, that's interesting. So, what you're effectively saying is that ducking your legal culpability is inexcusable, and no matter how great the physical distance between parties or the time elapsed, everyone should be held accountable for their actions. Well, it's, it's a bit long-winded of you, but yes, I suppose so. And does that extend to civil liabilities under law as well? I'm not quite sure how that's relevant, Sam, but yes, I suppose so. Excellent. Just wanted to really pin you down on that one. So, as our royal correspondent, how do you feel about Prince Andrew spending the last two weeks trying to duck the lawsuit for sexual assault filed against him by Virginia Dufresne? Oh, this is fucking abominable, you underhanded bloody cur. Look, you've been dodging my calls all week, Sebastian. This is the only way I could get you into the studio to even discuss this. This is outrageous subterfuge. You've trivialised the biggest news story of the week and for what exactly? To once again attempt to humiliate our great monarch. I just want you to actually stick to your sodding remit and acknowledge the biggest scandal currently facing the royals without your usual bloody obfuscation. Oh, please. You're nothing but a shit-stirring little prole. You want to pin me to the spot, do you? Fine. What do you actually want from me, you rank bastard? I just want you to acknowledge the story, that's all. Fine! He's a nonce, all right? He's a colossal fucking nonce, and everyone knows it. And everything he does is to try and duck the accusation. Literally everything just makes it even more obvious. Um, I'd, uh, I'd just like to make it clear to our listeners at home that IC News correspondents are technically independent freelancers and that their views do not necessarily reflect the sentiments or potentially libelous accusations of the network as a whole. Oh, who's ducking the legal culpability now, you sneaky little shithouse? He's a nonce, a big bad nonce, a lesser spotted Didlosaurus Rex, a big sweatless wrong'un. He's a Falklands... Pedophiles veteran. Nonce, 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 nonce. I see news endorses this message. And that seems like as good a time to cut a microphone as any other. Sebastian Forlock, thanks for joining us. You motherfucker. Hi, kids. I'm excitable newsboy David Stanier. And ooh boy, it's a super fantastic feeling to be talking to you again. There's nothing I like more than taking the complicated grown-up news making a Y-shaped incision to open up its breastplate, and then ripping out its internal organs before they can spoil the meat. Meat that I can dice into nice, digestible child-sized chunks for all of you. But always retain the liver, heart and kidneys, kids. They're full of iron and flavour. And when you're hiding in the new forest to escape the authorities, you'll need all the calories you can get. Squish them into the shape of dinosaurs for a bit of fun. I'm here today to talk to you about national insurance. 
Ugh, God. Sounds really boring, doesn't it? I can hear you now. But, Mr David, I'm just a child. I don't want to worry about grown-up rubbish like insurance. I just want to eat Haribo and play ball games with my friends. And I hear you guys. I really do. When I was your age, father and me, climbing ropes in the gymnasium, drilling the beep test daily, and memorising and repeating back all the nerve centres in the human body that can fully incapacitate an adult when subjected to enough direct force, all while he held back a hungry barking Rottweiler on a chain mere centimetres away from my face. Those were the days. And I'm not saying you can't enjoy your childhood the way I did. I'm just saying that sometimes it's nice to be prepared for some of that grown-up stuff. And national insurance is definitely one of those things that even some grown-ups don't understand. Don't you want to grow into the generation that's smarter than the one in charge now? I hope so. Because if you don't, then we are fucked. Oops, oh, excuse me. (laughs) One for the swear jar there. Naughty me. (laughs) Get out of the potty, tongue. You may have heard one or two things over the last few weeks about national insurance and the government's plans to raise it to pay for their social care plans. Now, national insurance is a form of tax, meaning that grown-ups pay it out of their wages or make the proper contributions when they're self-employed. In return, when they're old enough, everyone who pays national insurance gets one of the worst state pensions in Europe and access to a social care sector that's been chronically underfunded and exploited by ruthless private interests for years. That doesn't sound like a very good deal, I hear you cry. Well, well, I'm a big baby. And you're right. Which is why it's not great that this government have announced absolutely no plans for actually improving the standard of social care alongside these tax rises. Tax rises which, by the way, will make working in a chronically understaffed industry like the care sector even less attractive to new workers. Because it already pays terribly, and raising national insurance hits low-income workers the hardest. But raising national insurance for everyone is the fairest way to tax this, the politicians will say, wagging their big chubby fingers before they dip them into your parents' pockets. But is that right? It's time for a maths conundrum, kids. So slap on your thinking cap. Joan is a nurse working in the NHS, and she gets paid ten apples a day. John is a landlord with a large property portfolio and his tenants give him 50 oranges a day altogether. The government asks both John and Joan for some fruit every day in taxes. Joan gives them one apple as part of her national insurance contributions. John should give them five oranges, but because he can afford to, instead he pays Jim, an accountant, two oranges. Jim fixes John's tax arrangements. Now Jim gets two of John's oranges, and the government only get one, meaning John saves himself two oranges. Then, to pay for social care, the government raises taxes, but they only want it paid in apples. They call it a 1.25 percentage point rise. But because that's not how maths works, it's actually 10%. So now Joan has to pay a whole other apple, and John doesn't pay a thing, because he gets paid in oranges. Joan's poor little apple-obsessed kids go hungry and have to ask Marcus Rashford for some raisins. John gets to keep all of his oranges, and he still moans about freeloaders on benefits getting free raisins. Keeping up, kids? Of course you're not, which is exactly the point. Raising national insurance in this way is complicated. It's unfair, it hits nurses like Joan the hardest, and traditional Tory voters like John get to keep all of their money yet again. It's a sleight of hand trick. 
carried out in return for repeatedly voting in the same incompetent hacks who have spent the last 10 years bringing our health and care services to their knees in the first place. If only there was another, fairer way like, ooh, I don't know, a modest income tax increase on those earning £80,000 or more a year. <laughs> if only someone had suggested something like that over the last few years. That ends today's lesson, kids. Just remember, there's really only one way to make the wealthiest pay their fair share, and that's through the direct application of force. In a fair and reasonable Britain, that force would be gentle and applied via taxation by the machinery of the state. But this is Tory Britain, so it falls on us instead. So now, let's sing our goodbye song. Jogging landlord, sharpened broadsword in the park when it's dark. Way behind a big tree, swing it at his right knee. Kill the rich, kill the rich. Sorry, pal. I just needed an extra syllable for the rhyme scheme. Now stop making up bullshit reasons for keeping everyone's deposits, you cheeky scamp, or I'll fuck you up. <laughs> I'm David Stanier, and it's time to leg it, kids. Reporting for IC News. Why didn't I just swap off the path when I heard him singing about birds? <laughs> me, Danny Sutcliffe. I'm here today with a right bargain for you. And no, it's not just the mystery me I've got in the back of my van. Although that is also primo stuff, so meet me behind odd bins and flash your full beams if you're interested. If you haven't joined our Patreon yet, we've got a special offer for you. Sign up now as one of our early bird supporters and you can get access to all of our exclusive content for just £2 a month. If you want bonus podcast sketches, compilation episodes and ICU stories, this is the cheapest you're ever going to get them. You've got to be quick though, this deal is limited to the first 500 patrons and they'll get snapped up quick. It's the best way to show your support for the show and you'll be helping us to grow moving forwards. As always, thank you for all of your support and we hope you enjoy the show. And no, it's not badger meat. And if Brian May tries to tell you otherwise, he's a fucking liar. <laughs>